Welcome to The Intersections, a podcast where the intersections of pop culture, media, and social justice meet. I'm Thea. And I'm Bree. And welcome to the show. All right. Uh, so we are back for season two. Uh, it's been a while since we've had an episode for y'all. Uh, so I think it might be fair to, I guess, give y'all a little update about what we've been doing the past couple months and how we've been feeling. Yeah. So uh, in December, we did record a holiday episode. However, the audio was janky. Um, so we had to scratch it and then we just kept pushing it back because I felt like every time we wanted to record on a Thursday something uh, happened on a Wednesday either like outside of us like the January 6th and then pop it off at um, the Capitol or just like other life circumstances that made it impossible to record and then I started classes back up um in late January and uh, uh it was a struggle to get back into that routine so here we are March again ready to record did I miss anything free <laughs> nah that that sounds good it's been a year of living through a tremendous historical event um and we all can't ignore the impact on us um so, yeah, me and Fia just wanted to take some time to rest and take care of ourselves, do our self-care. But now we're back and ready and energized for a whole new season. Yes. So what's bringing you joy this week, Brie? Uh, I actually booked a massage today with oh. this. Uh, I got matched with this white man named Marvin. So I'm going to ask him what's up. Uh, <laughs> how you feel about Black Labs, Marvin, before, all of, before we get to the oh, massage? Lord. Um, it's my first professional massage, so I'm, I'm really happy to be able to uh, be in a space where I can afford something like that for mm. myself, um, and also just take care of my body. I'm also really happy that it's warm outside, going for a hike this weekend as well, so just focusing on taking care of my body this week has been really good. Yeah, all of that is really nice. Um, I've had several professional massages, and they you leave a whole new person, um, definitely is helpful, so I'm glad you have the opportunity uh for me i got to meet my nephew this week um he is so cute um unfortunately he was very fussy when i met him because my his parents woke him up so he could be like alert to see people but he was just not having it but um once he fell asleep he was chill (laughs) and he's adorable so i was very grateful that it's like things are getting better where I could like meet him I didn't want it to be like I didn't see him in person till he was like two or something so that was good um Mm -hmm. and in little things yesterday the ice cream truck came out for the first time uh this year and I got me a little mixed cone yeah so definitely was like the oldest person trying to get ice cream um but it was fine I paid. <laughs> I paid for it when the kids to get something too, because um, yeah, I I don't know like how th- that kid was related to the older kid, but the older kid was like, "I'm not buying you anything," and I was like, "Oh," so <laughs> I bought the kid ice cream cone. So that was my good deed of the week. Oh, and sending love to your nephew. He definitely is really cute, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's learning a lot of stuff, learning how he don't want to be woken up in the middle of the day to talk to people I, I relate to that as well 
I'm happy you got to see him. Uh, being around babies just gives you a lot of joy and a lot of energy. They're yeah. so precious. Yes. But today, we're not going to talk about babies. We're going to talk about uh, life after school. Um, Bree and I both have bachelor's degrees. Bree has her master's degree. I'm currently working on a master's degree. Uh, so that transition from school to a full-time job uh, can be very difficult. So we just want to talk about that and the concept of workplace trauma. Um, Ooh. Oh, Lord. It's a big one here. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually coming up on a year of having my license. And, like, that just hit me, like, yesterday. Oh, wow. I'm like, wow, I've been I've been working in a field for a year after school. Um, I feel like, for me, it's been a lot of adjusting. Because the work I do is not really meant to be done virtually. <laughs> so, yeah, you lose so much of the uh, interaction with the actual person. Um, And I think it's always a balance for me of like how much energy can I give to the day versus how productive can I be? Uh, Because school, you're used to going, going, going all the time, always having something new. Mm -hmm. But with work, there's kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For me, I've had the experience of um, not working um, and going to school when I was getting my uh, bachelor's degree. And then I took a three-year break to work before going back for my master's. And it's definitely been an adjustment when you're not uh, in school. Uh, Your time is just so free. And that's also less structure, um, which can be very chaotic if you are used to like the very structured um, school atmosphere. Though I will say um, I've worked, Mm -hmm. I went from going to college to working at a college. So the structure of my time was still based in like semesters and like holiday breaks um and i'm still working at school while going to school so it will definitely be an adjustment when i graduate and finally leave academia hopefully that's the goal uh for me i did the exact opposite i took no kind of break between my bachelor's and my master's degree i went straight through um, and I actually wish I took some more time just to get myself prepared and ready mm-hmm. uh, for that type of commitment. And now that I'm completely removed from academia, uh, I'm like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, why don't I have these <laughs> So much of my identity was tied to uh, learning and being a student because you spend so much time in a classroom, even, you know, if you don't get a higher level degree, high school, middle school, you're spending majority of your day five days a week in the classroom and that becomes a lot of uh, our identities yeah definitely and I will say um as a, a minority a black person we're taught that like education is the key it's like this cult of personality around learning and education and securing degrees and certifications so when you are finished one level it's like okay do I stop and that's when we have a lot of people who are getting like masters and then they get their masters and like I could get a second masters or start over with a new bachelor's in a different subject or get a PhD I know a lot of uh black women like that and it's just it's because we uh want to be celebrated for something that's not like marriage and kids and then that next thing would be school so we just keep going back but i will say i'm not getting my phd i going to zoom university (laughs) 
in a whole no, Panda ma'am. Express. <laughs> I I burnt out like those three hour Zoom classes. No, no PhD for me. No doctor for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do I do uh, think about going back to doctoral school a lot uh, to get a PhD. But I think I want to take a break before I do that. I'm just I'm just tired. Uh, <laughs> the environment of academia is so is so competitive. It's so white centered. It just is exhausting. We're wearing ourselves down just to learn the same information that white students can learn, you know, effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to make sure that I take care of my mental health and make sure that I'm fortifying myself so that I can go to a PhD program and finish. I don't want to not do my dissertation because I'm so burnt out. You know what? That's fair. And I think um, you get that perspective when you work in the field like you have. Um, so we're going to transition to like more targeted questions about this topic. So the first question is, why do you think, oh, why do you feel that Black women are in competition or are unsupportive of each other in workspaces? Um, mm-hmm. And then I would just start that by describing like the workspaces that you have in terms of like diversity uh the demographics of those offices and did you feel like you were in competition with the other black people um there if there weren't any black women at all uh there's definitely and i have like a it's basically a model of what the experience of black women are like uh is like at a non-profit environment where the uh, powers that be will literally pit other folks of color against each other. It doesn't necessarily have to be Black women, but more often than not, Black women are scapegoated and looked at as a problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I definitely have experienced that on many levels, even in academia, if I'm bringing up a complaint to my professor and a student may disagree with me, a white student, um, I'm looked at like I'm the problem. Um, and I think some of that stuff really starts at home. So what is your relationship like with your mother? Uh, but also some of that is egged on by society because society will put other black women against each other. Look at Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. Like they're both great. They both can exist in one space at one time, but because it's a male dominated industry, it's the belief out there that there, there can only be one. Yeah. That reminds me of this like theory who I don't know who coined, but I will put it in the show notes. It's called like pet uh, to threat, like the idea that um, all white workspaces will bring in minorities um, and treat them as special, give them opportunities. But once that minority person starts to thrive in that environment and and or challenge authority, challenge the way things are. Uh, seek to make improvements to that work environment they're treated as a threat and then the is the switch happens and they're pushed out the institution um and you see that a lot um for me the first major work environment i had was all black i was working at a hbcu um everyone was black all the authority figures were black but that doesn't change the fact that like white supremacy can permeate even in all black spaces and it was definitely a level of like competitiveness amongst the women um and in terms of leadership there weren't a lot of women who were dark-skinned for example or had natural hair and leadership positions so even in all black spaces we still struggle 
with that pet versus threat opportunity where we bring in women who are, you know, they may not necessarily went to an HBCU. They may not be a part of like the divine nine. They may not have that middle class uh, elite black background and they come in and try to challenge institutions and they get pushed out. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a thing, you know, and then you hear people all the time about their supervisors who are unnecessarily aggressive, um, ask very personal questions, mm-hmm. uh, in the gaze of like, I'm trying to help you succeed, but they don't know how to foster talent, um, with their staff at all. Mm. Mm. I second that. I also feel that we, uh, are pushed harder than other folks in Mm -hmm. job positions like at my uh past jobs I was doing all of the things and my white co-workers were doing like the bears the the bare minimum Mm -hmm. um so I felt like I had to meet this expectation that my boss had of me they could just throw whatever they wanted at me and I would handle it and I would do it and of course we got all of this internalized white supremacy that we had to do all this to prove that we're even worthy of being there but that stuff definitely comes back and bites you. And how can you even produce good quality work if you're being pushed past your boundaries, if you're not getting rest, if you're having to balance all of these different um, avenues and things to do? Yeah, it's definitely learning the difference between being flexible and being a pushover. That is the mm-hmm. hardest balance to learn when you're transitioning from a school environment to um, a professional environment. In school, you know, we, we want to be the best. So you take advantage of every opportunity. You take on every task. You want to be the leader of every club. Um, in the professional environment, you have to maintain, um, not only maintain, but just even set boundaries of what you can and cannot do. Um, and it's okay to say, mm-hmm. that's not in my job description. Um, so <laughs> I'm not comfortable doing that. Uh, but a lot of a lot of us don't know how to do that at all without um, worrying about being antagonistic or aggressive. Um, if you are consistently setting boundaries at your workplace and your boss is consistently disrespecting them, I know it's hard to think about uh, leaving a job, but that's actually what I had to do. Like I had to leave this work environment that was not healthy for me and was not good for me. Uh and we got to shift to an abundance mindset that there is enough jobs out there for all of us and that everything will work out in the end. But you're not going to get, you know, very far if you're constantly being disrespected and burnt out and the people you work with don't really care about you. All right. Yeah. Take your PTO, take your full lunch time and don't be afraid to leave um, a job when it's no longer serving per- your purpose or you're just not enjoying it anymore. Um, you know, your job doesn't have to be your life, but you do have to be comfortable there because we spend so much of our time there. So we just have to keep that in mind. Um, mm. I'm wondering if you've uh, experienced this where it, it's a choice of like, I can take a really high paying job that provides me with all these benefits, but I'm not necessarily being uh aware or taking care of myself and I have a lot more work, a lot more stress versus I could take a lower paying job, not make as much money, but maybe I'm a little happier. Have you had that experience before? Not exactly, but I've had had the experience of wanting to leave a job and possibly losing certain benefits um, in terms of like tuition 
from when I was transitioning from one job to the next, I was also applying for for jobs that didn't offer the uh, tuition remission. Um, luckily, I did find one that offered that, and I could continue on with my education without having to pay for it. But I was willing to take that risk mm-hmm. because I was just that unhappy <laughs> at the job I was at. There was no work life balance, and I definitely felt like my talent wasn't being nurtured, and that was the thing that really struck a chord for me it's not enough to say we pay for our employees to go back to school are you making an environment so they can go back to school are you asking them to work uh overtime but not pay them and give them like compensation time and then not give them the opportunity to use that comp time um are you sending emails in the middle of the night and making calls in the middle of the night um requiring people to show up earlier and leave later without compensation those types of Mm -hmm. things matter to me and I will say that those that experience taught me uh boundaries now I I set my work hours on my calendar so no one can like set a meeting or invite me to something that's after my allotted work time because Mm -hmm. I had the experience of feeling like I want to be a team player I want to help everyone out and then getting um, burnt out at the end of it. Mm. I think that's a really important point of uh, knowing your boundaries. Uh, And I think you also have to set the boundaries with yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, School, like your value is chalked up to your performance and your grades and how well you're doing. But at the workspace, maybe that metric isn't as easy to see. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really important to go in and value yourself and value and respect your time. So as you said, I'm not taking calls. I'm not doing meetings after work because I know my time is precious and I need this time to take care of myself. Yeah, definitely. That connects to the next question, which is what has been the hardest adjustment after finishing school? Listen, I'm still tired. I I finished school a year ago. (laughs) I'm still tired. (laughs) Uh, And I've just never, I guess, had the opportunity to, like, know who I was outside of a student concept. Mm. Like, much of what I've been my entire life is smart, academic. Learning came really easy to me. But now I have the opportunity to figure out who am I without being a student? Mm. And are there ways I can still incorporate learning into my life that doesn't look like regimented academia that's extremely stressful? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think taking the time to sit and learn about myself and who I want to be without school has been a huge adjustment. Yeah, definitely. Mm. In the three years between my bachelor's and master's degree, I will say the hardest part was that uh, identity of being like the smart one <laughs> you know if you're in gifted and talented programs your whole life and then you go to work and everyone's the same there is no accelerated program we're all just employees we all just working <laughs> <laughs> we it, all just clocking in yeah it could definitely be a blow to the ego um and also what was the hardest adjustment for me is being in an environment where uh my talent wasn't fostered or my talent was appreciated or was it given opportunities to try something new. Um, and that could have been mm-hmm. that particular workplace. I will say now where I work, it's not like that. But at previous jobs, it was very much like you come here, we pay you to do a certain thing and that's it. 
there was no professional development <laughs> at all. And that was jarring to me coming from uh, college where, you know, professors, in my experience, were very, like, welcoming and open to the idea of, like, uh, fostering something that they see in you. It's like, you know, I saw mm-hmm. that you did really well in this class. I recommend this class or I recommend this internship. I recommend this scholarship, this opportunity. Let me introduce you to someone who's doing similar work in your field. And that just wasn't happening at my job. And then I have realized that, wait a minute, all of that legwork that my professors were doing, I have to now do for myself. If I see an opportunity, I'm the one who has to make the connection and email that person. I have to make the calls. I have to make the introductions. So that was the hardest adjustment um, after finishing school. Yeah, definitely. That you're on your own, kid. Like, no one is, <laughs> no one is your advocate anymore. You have to be the advocate. And that was something that I did not learn uh, during school, like how to be my professional advocate, I will say. A word, a word. Um, that makes you think of uh, imposter syndrome. Like, oftentimes we don't go after opportunities that we know would be good for us. Or we don't feel like our work is that great because of imposter syndrome. Like we feel like we don't deserve to be there or other people are better than us. Mm. That could happen in school or in a work environment. But in a work environment where you're not getting that feedback, mm-hmm. uh, I could see that coming up as a huge problem. Yeah. And you start to take on the problems of the office as your problem, as if you're personally affecting the work culture, not realizing that you know it, it's a team effort. And if the, you know, your boss or the supervisor isn't interested in fostering um, the team and making sure everyone's connected and making sure that people feel seen and valued, um, ensuring that the people who do want to like move ahead or to gain usable knowledge uh, from this work experience, you know, have those opportunities to do so, then of course it's going to be like chaos and anarchy and like petty things. Yeah. And this is a small, like petty thing, but not, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Go no. Ahead. Uh, I would start. Go. Ah. Now we're both being awkward. Uh, you go. Yeah. The another hard thing was like making friends because people at work don't want to be your friend for real. I've never had a work environment where I've made friends with a coworker yet. Um, I'm envious of people who mm-hmm. do. Because <laughs> it's hard. Oh man, it's hard out here making friends after school. <laughs> oh man, I have a lot of work. For, I don't know if it's uh because of the the field I work at, like, we just got to be friendly and we have to socialize with people. That's our job to talk to people. So I make a lot of friends. Um, I will. So though the strongest relationships I had in a work environment is when we went through a terrible situation together (laughs) at work. Like that really brought us together. Now we're the closest of friends (laughs) because of that. I mean, that's powerful that you guys all joined together because in my experience, everyone like became uh like aggressive towards each other it's very much like every man for himself type of thing 
very uh lord of the flies sometimes it's not you <laughs> yes. it's the system yeah of course if there's a big overarching problem with the organization the boss is gonna want y'all to be against each other like when really the problem is them it's them y'all not crazy sometimes it'd be the bosses and the system that they create how are you gonna flourish how are you gonna flourish if you're given broken pens and pencils to write with you can't even write you can't even do what you're supposed to do mm. but your boss is looking at you like why aren't you productive it's not you if the environment is not nurturing you have every right to say something about that and more than likely than not it's not just you that feels that way someone else does too true very true but what were you going to say before we had that little match up in the middle <laughs> what were you going to say uh <laughs> you know what I don't I don't remember. Um Yikes. I think I was gonna say something to the effect that like sometimes it's it's actually not you. I think I just said that okay like it is actually your job <laughs> or oh, your yeah, boss yeah, yeah. or the environment. I think that's what I was gonna say. You're not crazy. Don't let them gaslight you. Yes. Yes, don't let them do that. You know. Some people just because they're in a leadership position that doesn't make them a leader. Mm-hmm. leadership takes skill it takes uh patience and um humility which a lot of people do not have um so it makes it very hard for them to lead a team successfully i should say successfully lead a team mm. how do you uh how do you feel like you're able to foster you know different interests or different talents that you may have um outside of work because I feel like society tells us you know you you do only one career that's what you do you specialize in it and that's that but if you're a person that's interested in multiple things uh, it can feel pretty daunting to make time for other things you're interested in outside of work yeah mm-hmm. well I, I love to read I definitely view myself as like a lifelong learner so I'm always like watching some like documentary or reading something that has nothing to do with my job um and just making time to foster those skills additionally uh reminding myself that not everything i do has to be like monetized period (laughs) you know a hobby can be a hobby i don't have to make money off of it you know i i love to write uh, both uh creatively and professionally that doesn't mean i have to get paid for it currently because it's at the hobby level. Now, if I wanted to make it my career, I could do so. But if I never want to take it to that level, that's okay, too. That doesn't mean I'm a failure. And it doesn't mean that I'm not a writer. You can be a writer and not get paid for it. You can be an artist and not get paid for it. Some of the most talented people I know mm-hmm. make things and create things for fun. Like, they're, that's it. Like, it's just for fun. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in this uh late stage capitalism wasteland oh, we're Lord. in <laughs> called the United States. <laughs> it's not really valued to uh have like a lot of interest. Otherwise people are gonna say, Oh, you're not you're not taking life seriously if you don't do one thing, you don't specialize in this one thing. And I think that's not fair. Uh, we should be able to have many different hobbies. If you want a second career, you should be able to have a, a second career. It shouldn't be so much pressure on us to monetize the things that we're good at because you get, you lose some of the joy because now I'm producing a product. Now I'm not even focusing on like what I like, what I'm getting out of it. 
Yeah, but you know, let LLC Twitter tell it. <laughs> I'm not out here making money. You're a failure. I don't believe that. LLC Twitter don't even have you make a business plan or have a product. They're just like, get an LLC, scam the IRS, write all this stuff off on your taxes. Like, that's not, don't do not do that, y'all. Have a business plan, have a consultant, have a tax advisor, have these things in place. Right. Don't just get an LLC. Yeah. There, there are books out there if you can't afford those uh, specialists just yet. That will help you make a basic business plan. Uh, there are nonprofits out there that help people uh, create businesses, especially if you are a part of a minority group. So, like, there, there are avenues mm-hmm. um, to, outside of uh, committing tax fraud <laughs> to be successful in business. Just period. <laughs> just that way. So the last question is, how can we uplift other Black women and fortify our support networks? So what are you out here doing in the world, Bree, to help other Black women uh, in the professional realm? Uh, I, I, I hold a lot of space for them. Uh, just recognizing that it's, it's hard working anywhere being a black woman. Yeah. And it's really important to have a black woman in your corner. Uh, y'all, y'all know me. I will, I will gas somebody up in 2.5 seconds. If I think <laughs> you're doing something really great. Uh, sometimes you do need that support, but sometimes you also need to complain. Uh, that's okay. Like we're human. So just really holding that space and accepting other black women as they are is really helpful uh networking and meeting other black women as well is really important making meetings with them Mm -hmm. uh doing stuff outside of work i'm going hiking with my black woman colleague uh this weekend so it doesn't always have to be a work event to meet yeah this is something that i'm still working on um just because I, it's hard to get out of that mindset of like, I go to work and then work stays at work. And that means the people at work have to stay at work too. Um, so that's something I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm doing now is, like you said, holding space for people, listening to people, uh, letting people know that I'm like a support system and sharing my resources and my knowledge. You know, if I learn of something cool or interesting, and I know that person likes it, I will send it to them. I'll be like, hey, I saw this, thought of you. Um, yeah, just keeping that that space open and taking time to like talk to people and repairing my relationships in general, making time for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one friend who uh, we call each other every Sunday. And even if the conversation Aww. is just like 30 minutes or so, um, it's just a way for us to like reconnect and uh bond in a way that we haven't had a chance to since the pandemic and then we graduated college and we are out of that college bubble it's very hard to like maintain those friendships because it's not just those friendships of school now it's like work bills responsibility aging (laughs) and and then your friends tend to get like lost in the shuffle so yeah making that time Mm -hmm. and listening to what Mm -hmm. people need some people need a phone call some people love to text you and i we text all the time um unless i call you by accident which like happens all the time i'm sorry 
It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, that's our, that's our bonus uh, communication. I'm, so it makes sense. I will also add um, humanizing the other black women you have at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be very easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, she's a bitch. She's an angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Isn't that all of the stereotypes that white people have placed upon us? Uh, but take the time to get to know her. And if she's rude, okay, she might she might have been rude, but don't take it personally. She may have had a bad day. She may have a lot of stuff going on at home and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. And she's allowed to have an attitude sometimes too, just like you have an attitude. So make sure to keep in mind that the black women at work, no matter how rude or nice or nasty, they're people too. Yeah. Lower your uh, expectations and stop like projecting an image onto someone. Um, because the the people you think are like the meanest tend to be like the nicest and sweetest people they just put up a guard while they're at work because of the environment that that they're in or have been in in the past um and we're taught that being professional is equally equal to being stoic and you know a woman being stoic stoic equals her being a bitch so like it there are layers to why people act the way that they do so if you you know, really want to get to know someone, try to do it outside of like, like you said, work, you know, schedule some time to do like a happy hour, um, lunch, you know, meet up and have lunch together. Um, after the Zoom meeting ends, you know, stay, hey, can you stay on for like an extra five minutes and like chat about something like, oh, I noticed that you got new glasses. How was that? Like stuff like that. Show that, show that you're open first and then that person will open up to you. Mhm. Mhm. I agree. I second that. Um I think next episode will be will continue to be talking about uh academia. Mm-hmm. So we will actually have two wonderful guests. Uh Fee and I had the experience of going to PWIs. Uh, but we wanted to get the perspective of ladies who went to HBCUs and if that had an impact on how they experienced academia. So excited to continue talking about some of this stuff. I'm sure some of the stuff will come up as well next week. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, also, thank you for waiting because it's been like three months. But <laughs> in the <laughs> you know, in the time that in the times plural that we're living in um things being late you know it's just inevitable so thank you for listening yeah thank y'all thank y'all um remember remember to give yourselves grace at work uh you're not what the product is that you produce Uh, and just remember that you're valued and loved and respected uh, also, remember to follow us on Instagram at Meeting at the Intersections. You can email us, meeting at the intersections at gmail.com. We're on Anchor and eight other podcast platforms. Uh, and we're on MailChimp. We have a website. And we love to hear from you. So we hope to hear from you soon. Yes. And we are both here to remind you to take care of yourself. Please do, <laughs> because you deserve it. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>